Hey guys, welcome to episode four of the Don't Tell God podcast. Uh, my name is Alicio, and uh, this podcast is pretty much uh, a, a podcast about pastors and leaders. And I give them a platform to be real, vulnerable, and open about life, faith, and ministry. Now, a new episode arrives the first Thursday of every month. So if you don't want to miss out on an episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you're on social media, feel free to follow me at Don't Tell God on Instagram and Don't Tell God One on Twitter. Now, on today's episode, I interview uh, my good friend, Rachel Sturd. And uh, Rachel is someone who I've known for many, many years. And even though I've known her for a long time, some of the stuff we talked about in this podcast has really helped me see her, but also women in a new way. And uh, she gives a great story in how she was led to ministry by God. She's very passionate to help other women have bigger roles in churches and kind of fulfill God's calling in their life. And she shares with me what it means to deal with imposter syndrome. Now, if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, uh, listen to this podcast because you will find out. So enjoy this episode, guys. Uh, Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, so for those at home, they might not know you, um, or they might know you actually as your original name as Rachel White. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually trying to pronounce it. How do you pronounce your last name properly German style? Um, Stur. Stur. Yes. Okay. Okay. And I'm assuming a lot of people get it wrong. Yeah. Most people say Stur, which is, you know, fine. That's, <laughs> that's what you get for having a foreign sounding name. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Well, look, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself in regards uh, to your family, ministry, church. Yep, so um, I grew up in Sydney um, in a Christian family, mum, dad, brother, sister, we all went to church and mm. um, you know, my parents were very active in ministry and, and they really modelled um, the Christian faith for all of us growing up. Um, and, um, you know, especially I think the the life of a Christian in a sense of um, being involved in ministry and, and helping out at church and doing that kind of thing is something I definitely saw um, from both of my parents for most of my life. Yeah. Um, I've lived in a lot of different places. Um, lived out in Broken Hill for almost five years, four and a half years during high school. Um, I've lived in Wollongong. I've lived um, in Germany. Um, wow. And now I'm married to a German guy. I've been married about three and a half years. Yeah. Um, which is the same amount of time that I've been the youth pastor at Auburn Baptist Church here nice. in Sydney. Um, got married and then a week later started at Auburn. So that was a really big month. Yeah. Um, and obviously my main focus there is youth and young adults, but um, I'm really lucky things kind of are less rigid in smaller churches. And yep. so I've, I've been able to branch out and do a lot of stuff, um, some community outreach stuff, some preaching. Um, if there's something that sparks my interest, I just kind of say so and it's yeah doesn't always happen but yeah it's been really good yeah awesome now i love the fact that you've um, kind of been everywhere so you said broken <laughs> hill uh wollongong yeah. germany yes man that's uh that's quite a list very different uh now i want to focus a little bit about germany because how long were you in germany for um five years total okay and so yeah. you went there Holiday, like what, what was the purpose going <laughs> over there? Um, I finished university and thought it would be fun to do a gap year. Um, and so like, I got as in, on you chose a gap year or yeah, was it with no, someone no, else? No, or? no, it was just okay. me. I just kind of went, I've always wanted to travel, I've always wanted yep. to go overseas. I didn't feel like there was anything specific that I was kind of stepping into after my degree, so it felt like a really good time. And yep. um, I just kind of prayed, God, take me wherever 
you want me to be and, yeah. and we'll figure it out. And Germany um, was a place. <laughs> well, yeah, I got a job as a, um, a live-in nanny um, yep. for a really wonderful family who had five children. Wow. Um, so I really got thrown in the deep end. And one day when I become a parent, I'm very prepared. Yeah, you're very experienced. Um, yeah. I've changed my fair share of nappies already, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was there for with that family for four years. Um, okay. And then um, I kind of was feeling like I was in a really weird place. Um, I kind of, on the one hand, was really strongly feeling God going, you know, Bible college, um, Sydney, Morling College, that's where you okay. need to be. So this is what you were in Germany? I was in Germany, okay. yeah. Um, and that's kind of what God was, was saying. But then he was also saying, you're not done here in Germany. And I was kind well, of Well, that's like, confusing. <laughs> How? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, um, turns out, Morling College offer this wonderful thing called online learning. Yeah, um, okay. And so I came back to Australia for six months. I did my first semester um, on campus as a very normal kind of college student. Yeah. Um, and then I went back to Germany, um, and, um, was really, really lucky to find a job, um, as like a youth intern at, um, okay. a Baptist church. Yep. And they kind of were really, uh, again, small churches, I think really flexible. Yeah. And they were like, look, we can only afford to hire you two days a week. But um, there's a local youth center that kind of needs someone and they're willing to partner with us. So if you want to work wow. full time, we can do that as well. And I kind of went, sure. Okay. So, were you, so you were still studying or like online learning? Yes. And then... So I did part-time online learning for okay. two semesters. Yep. Um, and while that was happening, I was working full time. Yep. Um, mornings at church and afternoons in this youth center in a pretty rough part of town. Yep. So um, yeah, that was really, really exciting. Um, and that was, I think that was a really, really important time in my okay. kind of ministry development. Yep. Um, I feel like that's where God started going, maybe working at a church is something that you want to do. Because you hadn't had previous oh, no. experience. I no, I don't know why I went to Bible college. I okay. did not want to be a pastor. I didn't want to work for the church. I just thought, you know, it'd be cool to kind of know a bit more about all this. Just right? a bit more, yep. Yeah, just, I just wanted to know a bit more about God and the Bible and, and the faith and theology. And, yep. Um, and then God went, maybe get a job as a youth intern. And then at the church, they went, hey, do you want to preach? And I kind of went... <laughs> No, 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 it's fine. No. Um, and they kept asking and eventually God nudged me over the edge and I went, yeah, okay, fine. I'll, I'll preach. You know, there's a special service. I need to go for 10 minutes. I can, surely I can do that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, then people kept saying, you know, that was really good. You should do it again. So did you preach in German? Or yes. Was My no, first what? ever sermon um, was preached in German um, at Jeez. a youth service. Um, at a church that wasn't even my church. I was a guest speaker. I can't, I can't believe that I did that when I think about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. But that's, that's how God works, that's awesome. right? Yeah, Just 100%. Off you go. You can do it. Yeah, um, throw you in the deep end. And... Yes. And I will say both the church that I preached in for the first time and also my own church were really loving and affirming and supportive. And, and there was a lot of, you know, you need to pursue this and you should think about being a pastor and, wow. and you know, all this kind of stuff, which previously had never entered my head. Yeah. Um, and so that was, I'm very grateful that God yeah. used that as kind of a, you know, it seemed like I was being thrown in the deep end, but it was a really safe environment to be able to do that. So that was really good. And um, so you came back. Uh, so you did a year of, of an intern, you came back. Did you have, 
Did you, did you finish studying or no? You were coming yes, back. Yeah, okay, no, you finished I, studying. I came back and finished yep. studying in person. In person, okay. Um, were you pursuing ministry? Like, did you think, okay, maybe I will pursue potentially going to do youth pastor or pastoral role? At that point, I was willing to consider it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I wasn't necessarily this is what I'm going to do, but I was I was willing to think about that being a possibility. Um, and so, how did you get into this position of, uh, of being a youth well, pastor? Well, look, I came back and um, I, I knew um, when I, before I left Germany, I knew that I didn't fit at the church that I grew up in anymore. Okay. I didn't sit theologically on some of the issues that they held as quite important. I didn't sit in the same spot as them anymore. Yeah. And I just... Um, I hesitate to use this analogy because I don't I don't want it to seem like I'm somehow better or bigger or but I felt like I'd outgrown yep. my my childhood home, you yep. know? Yep. Um and so um I knew that I was gonna be looking for a new church and when I came back I kinda went to my parents' church a couple of times to yep. see everyone, catch up with everyone, and then I kinda went, I'm I'm kind of done here. Yep. And so I'll start looking for a new church. And I um came around, did the rounds of Southern Sydney Baptist churches and yeah. came here to, to your church and yep. I went to a few other churches and actually, I actually found one that I went, this is kind of, this is where I think I want to be. Um, And the second time I went there, God went, no, you need to find a paid job in ministry. And I went, wait, what? (laughs) But I found a church. Like, this is what it's it's supposed to be done now. I found a church. I'm here. I like this church. They don't have a youth pastor role available. Um, And so then it was like, well, okay kind of do the internet job search thing and praying and asking everyone I knew if they knew anyone and um, found a job at an Anglican church that I interviewed for and I kind of knew after the interview I kind of went I don't know that I'll fit in well there Um, you know if they if if they like me I could probably do the job but I just don't know Um, and then I found this sketchy looking um (laughs) ad on a church website that I didn't even know how long it had been advertised, but I just, there was something about it. And so I emailed them and went, are you guys even still hiring? And they emailed back and went, yeah, we are. Um, and so I kind of sent off a resume and I, you know, went and had lunch with the pastor and he was really nice. And he said, look, you should definitely come in for a, a kind of a panel interview. And I went, I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing, but sure, <laughs> sure. At this point, I feel like God's not going to let me do anything else, so why yeah. not, right? Um, and so I went in, had an interview, um, really liked it, um, and they hired me. And so wow. I ended up at Auburn. Now, uh, so long story short, you know, interned in Germany, came back, got this job uh, as a youth pastor. Uh, but now, I think this year you got another job yes. working, you know, yeah. alongside your your current role. Can you explain a little bit about that? Um, yeah, so I'm just one day a week at um, at the Baptist Association yep. in the Baptist Youth Ministry team. Yeah, um, working as a regional support worker. So sounds um, fancy. Yeah. Sounds fancy. <laughs> it really does. Um, it's not that fancy. Um, so there's two of us. It's a brand new role. They, the role was created this year. So um, Pete and I are the first two people to ever have that role. And so it's, it's a lot of figuring out what are we supposed to do? Um, and so basically, um, my role is to support regional youth pastors. Um, so I kind of think of it as, um, you know, if you're the youth pastor, your focus is the young people in your church. Yes. My focus is you. 
Okay. Right, you and your leadership team. Yeah, awesome. And so um, if there's a situation that the youth pastor um, is kind of encountering and doesn't know what to do, um, I can help point them towards resources. Yep. Um, if they feel like they need some training, maybe I can help them organize something for that. Um, if they just need someone to chat to because things have been stressful and they don't know what they're doing, yeah. I'm here for that. Um, it's, it's kind of very varied and you know because of COVID it's a lot of sending emails and organizing Zoom calls at the moment Yeah. but I am hoping to be able to go and and see some of the churches that I've been emailing yep. um, at some point this year or next year that'd be really yeah. good now uh, again I, I sent you some questions before and I really wanted to know what was on your heart and the, the thing that came out uh, from your answers that you're very passionate to speaking up uh, for women in, in the church especially young women uh, can you explain a little bit more about that and how has that become a passion? Because that's yeah. not a, a normal passion per se that everyone would have. This no, is something quite yeah. unique uh, for yourself and I think it's good. It's kind of like you were speak, speaking about before, how God does some stuff for your life, you know, leaving things last minute. So, yeah, explain a little bit more about your passion in regards to women yeah. in church. Um, so, look, I think, I think it's a lot of things, um, but I think a big part of that is my upbringing. Um, I was brought up in quite a conservative tradition uh, where women just weren't given the same opportunities as men. And mainly because of that belief that, you know, the men are the leaders, they're the teachers, they are um, the head of the church, the family, and, and the women are there kind of, and I will preface this by saying no one in my church would ever have said these words, but the women are there to look after the kids in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if that's your belief, I mean, you're never going to invest in girls the same way you do with boys. You're never going to give yeah. girls those opportunities. And, and that's definitely how I was brought up. And I'm not sure that I was really fully aware of it at the time, but looking back, I see it very clearly. Um, you know, my parents were very good about that stuff. Um, if I was offered, you know, opportunities, um, at school or wherever they were really like, yeah, go for it, go for it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily including my parents in, in this kind of statement about my upbringing. Yeah. Um, it was more from a church perspective, um, but, you know, looking back, I do see a really big gap between, you know, outside of church, you know, having teachers say, you know, you're a leader, Rachel, you know, in, in the school report, Rachel is, um, a leader of her classmates, Rachel is, um, you know, leading and, and, and helping and, you know, all these kind of words. And then being at church, being told that I was a leader, um, but not being given opportunities to lead. And I think, Looking back, you know, um, someone once asked me, like, when did you start being a leader? And I kind of had to think. And I kind of think I actually always have been. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th I think that's a gift that God put on my life very early on. Um, and, and looking back, I see, you know, even as a kid being like the ringleader in some game or, you know, come on, guys, let's all do this. Yeah, you were um, just that natural leader that people... Yeah, were, and then... Yeah. And then you know, I saw opportunities at church. And I went, I want to do that. I want to, I want that role. I want to do that. And I was always overlooked. Um, and, you know, at the same time as that, I've always had a really kind of keen interest in, in social justice. And, you know, um, I kept seeing and hearing that Jesus wanted me to look out for the down, downtrodden and the oppressed and the poor. And, um, you know, even in secular environments, like even at school, we were always told, you know, don't let people bully you, you know, look out for people who are being bullied and be nice to them, like all of this kind of stuff. Even as a very small child, we're told 
all of these things. And it, it kind of took me a while to realize that actually looking out for people who aren't being given the same opportunities is something that we should be doing day to day. Like it's not just yeah. something that I, I donate money to other people to do in other countries and other places, something that I need to do. Um, and yes, that does mean, you know, the poor, the oppressed, um, you know, and sometimes we have these images in our head of the stereotypical orphan in Africa or in yeah. Asia or, where, you know, um, but it's not like, yes, it is those people. They do need our help. But it's also, you know, everyday people, um, you know, your colleague, that kid in your class who never gets chosen for anything, yeah. you know, it's those things as well. Um, it took me a really long time to kind of navigate my theological understanding of the role of women in the church, mainly because I never ever saw a woman do anything resembling leadership in the church. Yeah. Like it never occurred to me that that was a thing that a woman could do. Um, and so, you know, after that, it took me an even longer time to think, well, maybe I could be a pastor. I could be preaching a sermon. I could be a leader. Um, but then it took me even longer again to realize that actually I could use that platform that I now have to speak up for other injustices, to allow other women to have a voice and maybe even to show especially young women who don't think that they can have a voice, yeah. how important it is to speak up. So what would you say, because this is, you know, for, for myself, and I'm sure I've done it. I, I've done it, like not not on purpose, <laughs> um, but, you know, chosen you know, a male leader over a female, whatever. But I would say this now, I always try, not so much gender-based, but making sure that even my leadership team or... Um, you know, when, when we do activities here at church, that I'm, I'm looking out for people who might not get picked, you know, it doesn't matter if they're male or female. What, what tip would you give if we're talking about gender or if we're talking about those who aren't going to pick, like, as a pastor, what can we do to help those who are in a minority? That's a really good question. And I think asking that question is the first thing you can do. Okay. I think if you're genuinely asking that question and not just of me, but of your congregation, of your yeah. leadership team, they'll be able to point stuff out and they'll be able to call you out and go, mm, Alicia, you're doing it right now. Like okay. you need to, you know, um, but I think, um, oh, so there's a lot. Oh, I'm <laughs> asking, sure there is. Just asking questions, okay. right? Just, just, you know, put yourself in a woman's shoes and go, well, if I am a, you know, a 15 year old girl here in my church and I need help, who do I go to? Yep. If I am, you know, 17 years old and I feel like God might be calling me into ministry, who am I going to talk to and what are they going to say to me? Are they going to okay. say, yes, go for it? Or are they going to say, mm, God doesn't call girls to do that. Rethink it. Okay. You know, um, I think, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm not naive about the fact that there are many people, many Christians who, yeah. who believe that God's plan is male headship, male yep. leadership, male teaching. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not here to tell you your theology is wrong. That's something that those people have to wrestle with for themselves. Yep. But I think even if you come from that kind of background, even if you are in that kind of church, you as a leader and both you, Alicia, and also you, anyone who's listening to this, yep. um, need to think about if I'm not going to have women in leadership, how am I both explicitly and implicitly telling women that they are valued in my church? Because I can say that, right? Yeah. I can say we value women, we love women. Um, but then when you walk into that church, yep. you don't see a woman at the front. You don't see a woman on the greeting team. The women are in the kitchen and they're looking after the kids. 
that doesn't tell me that you value women. Okay. Right? So if you don't want a woman to preach, how are you making sure that you've got women on your music team? How have you make sure that you've got maybe women giving the announcements or or saying a prayer or doing the Bible reading? How are you making sure that women still have a voice in your church? Okay. Uh, but look, thanks, Rachel, for that, because I think this is something that is not spoken about much. Um, you know, when, when I sent you the questions before and you came back with the answers, I thought, man, I don't, I don't know much about this. And <laughs> uh, the first thing that came to my mind was guilt, because I was like, oh, man. And I said this before, like, have I done this? Like, what have I done to offend people? Now, obviously, I didn't do it on purpose, but just even chatting to you, I thought, okay, maybe I can do this better. And, you know, we're talking about inclusive. And again, I think it's just put it on the forefront. Yeah, it's just be aware. Yeah, being right? aware. And it's it's hard. You know, I think I look at all the issues and I feel like everyone says this about every issue in the world, just be aware of it. Yeah. If you know, if you're constantly aware of the issue, then yep. you'll catch yourself doing the wrong thing and you'll stop yourself. Yeah. Um, and I know that's hard, but if you, you know, have to make a leadership decision, just write yourself a note and say, what about the women? What about the minorities? Yep. What about, you know, whoever it is in your church who gets yeah. overlooked? You know, yeah. and maybe it's a specific person. Like, what about Fred? He always gets overlooked. Yeah. You know, but whatever it takes, just just being aware, I think, is the biggest thing. That's probably a good thing to do as, as pastors or leaders of a church. Just maybe even just looking at your church thinking, okay, who is, who's a minority? Who do we, you know, always forget? Maybe it is the elderly. Maybe it is a gender. Maybe it is yeah. a social demographic. A yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Young mums yeah. or whoever it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, as pastors, it's important that people speak up and we might not notice it but it's as a church they should raise it up with the parties although we know it's a lot easier to say very hard to do uh but yeah let me encourage you guys that if there is something that you want to tell your pastors please please do so uh rachel i want to also talk about something a little bit different yeah um you mentioned to me previously that you've struggled with something called imposter syndrome. Now, I have never heard of this before you mentioned it to me. Uh, could you explain a little bit more about what is imposter syndrome and uh, how has it affected yeah. you? Um, imposter syndrome basically is kind of that little voice in your head that goes, you don't belong here. You shouldn't be doing this. This is not for you. This is for someone else. Um, and I think given everything that we just talked about, yeah. It's kind of not surprising. And, you know, I kind of think I heard someone talk about this on another podcast, um, actually. Um, and they kind of went, you know, imposter syndrome is boring. Everyone has it. Right. And it's kind of true. I mean, we all face that at some point, that little voice going, oh, you shouldn't take that opportunity. It wasn't meant for you. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that's not true. No. Um, you know, and I think. Again, given given my upbringing, it's yep. not surprising that when I'm asked to guest preach at a different church that I've never been to, I go, "Ooh, is that actually? Do they know who I am? Like, yeah. should I be going to that?" Um, but you know, since getting involved with Baptist churches, which has really only happened since going to Germany and then coming back from Germany, um, I've been given a lot of opportunities, and not just youth ministry ones, right? Like, I get calls to do stuff, and some of them I go, "Yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. Um, that's that's not." of God, I'll, I'll leave that one. Um, but you know, sometimes they are. And last year I actually got invited, um, to a meeting. Um, and I didn't know this at the time. It was for our regional pastors group. Um, but I showed up at this meeting and it was a room full of guys. And I say guys, most of them were significantly older than me. One of them had actually been one of my teachers at Bible college. Wow. Um, I was the only female pastor in the room. I was the only non-senior pastor in the room. 
And I kind of walked in and went, oh, oh I'm not meant to be here. This is not for me. They, 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 they must have meant to invite my senior pastor. Like, I don't know how this happened. What yeah. a terrible mix up. Um, and, you know, if I'd have known who was at that meeting, I might not have gone. Wow. Because um, of that little voice. Because of that little voice and just going, oh, I can just click away that email, you know, I'll yeah. just, I'll pretend I didn't get it, you know, like, I'll, I'll, I won't go, you know. Um, but you can't do that when you've already arrived at the meeting. No. You can't just be like, okay, bye guys. <laughs> so I, you know, sent up a quick prayer and I sat down and it was a really good meeting. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Because obviously that would happen. And obviously it happens to me too, like, yeah. you know, daily or weekly or monthly, or whatever, where you get those things like, nah, that's not for you. you. You can't do this. You know, what are you talking about? So how do you deal with that? Besides saying, shut up to that yeah. little voice. Well, I try that. It doesn't always work. Um, pray, yep. pray hard, pray really quick. Yep. Um, and the other thing is just something that I've learned with time is that whenever I get into one of those situations where I feel uncomfortable, whenever I get into that feeling of awkward of like, maybe I don't belong here. God starts going, did you hear what they just said? Mm. You need to say something. That's not right. You need to speak up. And so it's, it's kind of not a pleasant feeling because I already feel like I shouldn't be here. And then I feel like I have to speak up and say something to all these people who are on some higher level than me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, over time, you kind of start to see the patterns of how God works in your life. And yep. for me, I know when I get that feeling of I don't belong here and I'm feeling awkward, and I'm feeling uncomfortable. Maybe I can just hide in the corner. I can't hide in the corner. Okay. That's when God's going, okay, now speak, go. And so I just have to go, you know, Holy Spirit, you are yep. way more powerful than me. If you've brought me here, then I guess I belong. Yep. Um... And I hope you've got the words because I've got nothing. And <laughs> that's most good. of the time, Holy Spirit comes through. Yeah. So. Now that's that's really good, and I think that also shows the vulnerability as us yeah. pastors. Because again, you know, people might think that you know, not the fact that we've got it all together, but we're you know, especially us that we're extroverts, you know, yeah. pastors. Yep, yeah, there's no doubt in our mind. But just like you, I doubt myself oh, so many yes. times, um, even just the little things. And I think. Being confident in God, that God's brought you to a meeting, a place, that position is, is important. Yeah. And I think um, being confident is not always the same as feeling confident. Like mm, in my true. head, I know that God's got this. Yeah. But I still have that weird feeling in my stomach and, and my heart is like, oh, what are we doing here? So it's not... Yeah, it, yeah, just because I look confident and I'm speaking boldly and clearly doesn't mean I'm feeling okay about any yeah. of this. But yeah, it's cool. All right, well, thanks for that. I never, yeah, I never know that I had a term or a word, well, but in uh, imposter yeah. syndrome. Is there something else for, you know, when you get people who are so cocky that they think they're the best? Uh, I don't it? know, but sometimes <laughs> I wish I had a bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot. Just, just, a, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit. Uh, all right, a couple last questions. Yeah. Um, that want to ask yourself. So yeah, in regards to, and maybe you've answered this before, but in regards to ministry, this is probably a personal thing for me. What can we do as, and we're going back to the gender yep. um, 
you know, Monori type thing. Like, what can we do as, as a pastor, as a man, uh, someone who's privileged uh, per se, to get alongside and work along, uh, make sure that we are empowering women? Like, is there stuff that we can do? Uh, because obviously men and women are very different the way we think. Um, so if you can, uh, yeah, can you, yeah, can you explain a little bit more how either me or other people who are listening can do that? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's always helpful to take stock of what is currently happening in your church. Okay. You know, whether you are like a list person or like a visual person, yep. maybe you sit down and you make a list of all the um, people in leadership positions in your church. Yep. Maybe you just sit down on a Sunday morning and you take a photo every Sunday of who's up on the platform and then compare them. Maybe you, you know, uh, and you yeah. just look at, wow, we have a lot of white people. We have a lot of men. We don't have a lot of this group, young people, yep. women, old people, whatever it is. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, just work to adjust that. Next time you go, okay, well, we don't have anyone over the age of, I don't know, 65 on our platform. Yep. Um, next time you're looking for someone to make an announcement, make a point of asking someone over the age of 65. Yep. If you know that you don't have any women up there, next time you need someone to do something up the front, ask a woman, yep. right? I don't, I don't love the idea of quotas or, you know, we've got to have 50-50 split or anything like okay, that. Yeah. But, you know, if for some people that's probably helpful yep. um, to actually go, well, if that's what I'm working towards, what do I need to do to get yep. there? Um, but, you know, ask the women. Yeah. Ask the Because, you know, it's all very well for me to say this is what women want, but women are all different and that's we true. all want different things. And so um, ask the women that you minister to. Yep. And they will hopefully be brave enough to tell you what they need or what they yeah. want and, and how you can help them. Well, that's really good. Well, thanks for that, Rachel. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for coming. I, honestly, it was, it's been a pleasure and I've personally learned a lot from this. So yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Well, I'm glad. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Well, that's it. That's my uh, interview with Rachel. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, for me, just uh, reflecting on the interview what I got from it was the fact that, you know, at times we can be very guilty of not empowering women, not investing in women. And, you know, this not might be in all churches, but I think from today's episode, I don't really want you to think, look, what's your stance on, on, on women and pastoral women as leaders, but more just thinking broadly and thinking, okay, am I including women in ministry? Am I investing in women? Am I loving women just as Jesus loved women? women. And, you know, I will go as far as to say not only women, but am I including, am I investing, am I loving everyone in the church? Because it's very easy to just love or include certain people um, at your church or that you know. And, you know, being a pastor, that's naturally will always go to people that we trust and that we love. But we are called by God to love everyone, to invest in everyone, to make disciples. And it doesn't matter of gender or age. Um, so that's probably at least my, my, my thought to you. What are you doing in your church? Are you investing in women? Are you investing um, in your younger people, older people? And are you making everyone feel included? Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Hopefully it was uh, powerful. And if you thought it was really good, please uh, share this episode with your family. Uh, if you can, please review it. That will help me a lot. Um, and lastly, uh, like I said before, you can follow me on Instagram or you can follow me on Twitter. Have a great day, guys. And uh, we'll catch you next time.